Hello and welcome to The Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we answer the question, who do you need on your team? Ah, so are we saying solos need a team? Yes, we are. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so we, uh, this is in response to one of Rochelle's daily emails, which I absolutely loved, um, that gives a sort of list of the cast of characters that that you need to surround your biz, especially a solo biz. I'm reminded, not to jump around, but I'm reminded of the episode uh, where Paul Jarvis came on and talked about his company of one, his his book, Company of One, where you know he said, it's not that you're by yourself. It's not that the company is just you, but you have you can have a team of people that are that surround you and and I would I would argue and obviously this was your idea so you agree <laughs> <laughs> that there's there's kind of a list and there are different categories of assistants and as I read down the list I was like wow I I have exactly every single one of these and it wasn't like a just organically and it's nice to see it kind of um, articulated as a list that people can kind of go down almost like a checklist and say like, oh, do I, am I missing any of these? Yeah, in terms of categories, right? Because within each category, you may not need all of those particular kinds of people, but you at least need somebody in the category. Exactly. All right. So without further ado, let's just go down the list because I think it's, uh, I think it'd be super useful. Yeah. So, so the first one is, you know, I called it, you know, a right hand. Um, and sometimes you need more than just one right hand, like three, four, five, six. I mean, depending on the complexities of your business. I always think first of, of my VA. You know, that's always my partner in crime. But I was thinking typically you've got an attorney. Jonathan, you might not have a webmaster because you do it for yourself, but I need a webmaster, a CPA. Some people have a separate bookkeeper. You may outsource some of your media, either social media or more traditional PR. You might have an editor. You might have a publisher. What am I leaving out? I don't know. I thought other domain experts. So if there's something specific, like maybe you're going to hire someone to help you with a launch or something like that, I suppose it's case by case. But I think those are the those are the big ones. So like for me, uh, VA attorney. I don't have a webmaster, but I've outsourced all of those duties to platforms, so I don't really have to worry about it. Oh, and Podcast Motor. <laughs> sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. Podcast Motor is another one. Shout out. This is basically the same list I have. I don't use an editor often, but I know people who I would hire to do that. I have connections with those folks because I need them sometimes. Oh, we didn't say coach. So would, would you put coach in this one or would you put that farther down the list? I almost could put it in every single one. Um, so yeah, it doesn't have to be in this category. It could be in others. But I think one of the things for me about this category is you've got to have somebody who really cares deeply about your success. So for example, if you have a CPA who's just sort of phoning it in, that's not your best fit. You can do better. You want somebody who's going to be asking you questions about your business and comes to you proactively with ideas. The worst is when you have to, you feel like you're like pulling things out of the people who are on your team. Mm -hmm. I'm reaching now. I can come up with some other ideas, but it's a reach. Like the building manager at my office helps me out a lot with running uh, the workshop. I recently did an in-person workshop in the conference room of my building. Um, that's been helpful. The guy who handles my insurance is super helpful and proactive. You know, there's all yeah, yeah. Yeah, stuff like that. So Copywriters. 
Some people use copywriters for their stuff. Sure, designers, whatever. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, yeah. That's a big rotating cast of characters. So I would say for folks who maybe don't have all of those boxes ticked, I would start off by asking myself, how many of these things am I doing? If any of these things are things that you're doing, bookkeeping or any legal stuff is immediately, I'm like, come on, just get rid of that. Well, and webmaster too, with with the exception, if, if you're a tech person, sort of logical, you would do your own. But I've met a lot of people who are not tech people who decided to try and create a WordPress site or a Squarespace site. And then the site winds up not looking that great. And you've eaten up all that time that somebody else could have taken off your plate. Yeah, the technical people in the audience are laughing at your use of the word webmaster. So if you think you need a webmaster, <laughs> you definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> I know I sound like like so clueless because <laughs> I work with developers and developers have this tendency to want to build their own tools and I'm like do not do that do not build your own tools I can't tell you how many times I wanted to build my own like email marketing software it's like and then and then I, I go into this particular group I'm in and I'm like okay everybody talk me off the ledge don't let me <laughs> don't let me build this we just had that conversation after the show last week hmm I've paid, I pay developers to build stuff for me yeah. when, I, when I could do it myself, but it's just yeah. not a great use of my time. Yeah. Cool. All right. So what's a cheerleader in your definition? Well, to me, this is somebody who's, who's always got your back and they're always encouraging. And you th- think about people in your life and some people will say, oh yeah, you know, it's my mom or my, my grandfather or something like that. But there's somebody that you know you can always count on to kind of pat you on the back or lift you up when things have gone sideways and get you kind of headed in the right direction and and squared up. And they don't even have to know your business, I don't think. It's they know you and they appreciate you. They know your, basically your inherent worth as a human. So even, even like you do something so stupid and you're slapping yourself going, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? This is the person who's going to say, oh, come on, Jonathan, you know, you're terrific. You can do this again. So what? Those people just didn't get it. You're the rock star. And they, you know, they lift you up. Right. And I like the point that they don't need to know your business. So I I had an interesting experience that's, that this reminds me of recently where I'm in my last two weeks of my black belt candidate training and Ooh. it's a it's a 12 week thing and a week long test at the end and one of the and there's homework and I've written about 10 pages you have to write this big paper and and one of the things you have to do is get two character references this cheerleader thing reminds me of that because I mean both of these people kind of know my business that they're, they're not intimately involved with it but we're originally friends through business but uh, it was wild to, to say hey you know, you guys, could you do this thing for me? It's, I know it's a big favor because these things are like stressful to write. But when I got them back, they're authored at a level that you just don't normally think at. The very big picture level about your personality and like the way you are in the world. I mean, uh. not, not to sound too like gushy, but they're just oriented at a level that is super high level. It's like at a values level. And stuff that is invisible to me and probably to everyone, because you just don't think of it on it. It's just so obvious that it's, it becomes part of your subconscious. And to me, the cheerleaders fall into that category. Not that these people are my cheerleaders or whatever, if they're listening, because they probably are. But it's just wild to get feedback at this incredibly high, like decades long level. 
you know, like decades of relationship boiled down into a one pager. <laughs> so yeah. it's folks like that. Yeah. It's, it, when you said that, it made me think of client testimonials sometimes, not always, but there are clients who just operate on a meta level and that's what they react to. And they, and they write this thing for you and you, you almost want to cry. You know, you feel so special. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's the right. spirit of a, of a cheerleader. Not necessarily the pom-poms, but they get you and they elevate you. Yeah. And they've known you, probably known you for long enough that they can tell when you're just in a funk or you're in a down cycle or they've got perspective from, as they say, outside the bottle. You're inside the bottle. It's tough to read your label from the inside. They can see it from the outside and they're like, uh, this is just a blip on your radar in the scheme of things or not, not to minimize whatever the situation is, but they have perspective on you that you don't have on yourself, which I think is really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And these are also people who can help you pivot, which sounds sort of counterintuitive, but sometimes what they say to you in a cheerleading fashion gives you this aha moment that then gives you the impetus to do something different. Yeah, that's a good point. I have had experiences being the cheerleader and also being cheer-led, is that a thing? Um, where <laughs> someone's, yeah, where, where the, the outside person, the cheerleader says something to the other person that was invisible but obvious as soon as it was uttered. Person's, you know, not complaining, but just, oh, man, this client project is really getting me down, da 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 da, da. And, and they could say something like, well, why not work in this other industry? I remember you told me about this other industry that you absolutely loved, and it's just like a huge light bulb moment. <laughs> It's like, oh yeah, I could do that. Like, why didn't I? They just pull yeah. you, pull you out of the forest, so yeah. you can see the trees. Yeah, I was thinking. I, I was uh, talking with a client who had uh, some book ideas, and they were saying, you know, I don't know if I should do A or I should do B. And I said, okay, so uh, A we agree is strategic, and B is tactical. I said, what are you? He said, I'm a strategist. I said. Okay, let's do A. <laughs> right. Yeah. right, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I've been in the same position myself. It's really hard to see that for yourself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's really challenging. Yep. So let's f completely go to the other end of the spectrum <laughs> yeah, really? and talk about the the goad or the, to me, it's a drill sergeant. It's like the person who's going to tell you the truth and just like make you do what you say you're going to do. You're a little softer on it than me. So why don't you you start with your start with I, your definition? I'm totally softer because I hate drill sergeants. But yeah, I mean, every some people need a drill sergeant, right, to get up in the morning and get going. But I, the way I think of this is is that you need somebody who's going to help you accelerate. And the only way you can do that is to do things you haven't done, right? Yes. You need to increase your momentum. So you need somebody pushing you. Out and the, of the comfort zone. Yeah. And that push could be a drill sergeant style or it could be something different. I mean, I think it depends on, I think of this as a coaching role, but it depends what the coachee most responds to. Because some people will respond. I always see the people down at the beach doing these military workout things. And I go, ugh, God, I don't want to do that. But there's a whole bunch of people there who love it. So it just depends on what you need to kind of push you out of that rut. Or sometimes you, you just start to go off the rails and you need somebody to rein you back in. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah, the style matters. It's going to be a different style for different people. I think you nailed it in the middle. It's like you're in a comfort zone. You need to be nudged or pushed or kicked or yanked out of it. 
And to have someone that, like a coach-style person, I think different than a mentor. I think a mentor is a different thing. A coach is someone who shows up regularly and is like, come on, let's go. And a mentor is someone that is perhaps just way like light years ahead of where you are that you occasionally reach out to with very specific kind of requests or like, like I'm stuck with this thing. And it's more, it's more like, um, they're not showing up every week and yanking you out of bed or whatever, whatever the uh, regular thing is, whether it's someone who's nudging you or someone who is screaming in your face (laughs) of all the things on this list. This is the one that I don't have right now, but I have had in the past. So this could be a, a wake-up call for me to be like, you know, it might be time to get another drill sergeant or whatever I like, whatever yeah. style I like. Yeah, th- maybe this is something we use periodically when we're doing a pivot or we're trying to figure out what the pivot might be. And you're in that place where you just feel like you're in the murk. Let's see if I can murder this analogy. You know you're down like in the muck, in the murk. You can't really see, but you know up there is light. You know you can breathe above the water. You just got to get up there. And and that's a process. And a lot of people don't like, who does? Like sitting in that process, trying to figure it out. So to me, this idea, whether it's you know a coach or a drill sergeant, this is what you get when you want to shorten the time that you're spending in the murk. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. And I also like your point about that somebody that's showing up and says, come on, let's go. That's to me, that's the the key in this is that it's somebody that is there pushing. It's this is not like laid back. Let's talk about this, you know, in six (laughs) months, right? Yeah, it's not a it's not a shrink. It's not a mentor. It's like, it's like my personal trainer, who's not a drill sergeant at all. But we he shows up, I show up, we do what we said we're going to do and we make progress. And it, and it, without that uh, relationship, I would absolutely not do it. It's the same with karate too. Like I just wouldn't do it. I used to be really motivated. To, you know, I got to a, what I, let's just call it in general, a fitness level on my own going to the gym. I used to be really into it. Time went by, it became boring. I was like, eh, wasn't doing it. And predictable results. <laughs> of paying for a gym membership that you don't use after three years. And so, you know, it made sense to invest in doing something about it and having, it's just like a coach. Like, it's just like a coach. Nobody calls himself, but yeah, but you can do the same thing for your business. And that obviously, you know, both of us do that and we see the results and the results are acceleration. It's like you get out of that gunk, you get unstuck much faster. And if you're looking at a a very small bank account and you're trying to figure out, you know, what to do, you know, buddy up. I have a a good friend of mine and and we we actually read two different books together and and then we kind of pushed each other on on doing what was in the book. And it was really fun, you know, because it's it's like going to the gym with a friend. You've got some accountability, um, you've got somebody to talk about ideas with and think through options, react real time. While you're finding yourself a coach, see if you don't have some friends or colleagues that you can you can look to. Yep. I have uh, a great example from my personal experience about that. Having a, a sort of a, a colleague started a business-related Slack room about, geez, I guess it was four years ago now. And it was just like you just said, except for it was maybe eight people and not just two, where we all were from different 
slightly different businesses and slightly different backgrounds and but all were sort of similar psychographically and just kind of coached each other on each other's blind spots where it was like, you know, one person was amazing at outreach, another was amazing at SEO, another was amazing at design, another one was amazing at membership sites, another was amazing at consulting and like all of these other, everybody had their strengths. And then we could see, you know, about a year and a half into it, uh, one of us, it might've been me said like, Pretty soon we're all going to be <laughs> we're going to be like indistinguishable because we were because <laughs> all of our gaps were slowly getting filled in and oh uh, I love yeah. that and it ended up it ended up kind of running its course because we got to a point where we were just like yeah we all kind of know this now we didn't yeah. have that many it was it became less engaged because there were uh, it was it didn't become homogenous but you know what I mean everybody kind of yeah. leveled up to the same spot where it yeah. was very very uneven previously. Well, in the beginning, it was transformative. And then you just get to the point where it's, you know, these little incremental things. And then, you know, precisely. Yeah. And then usually we say, eh, I'm not getting that much out of that now. It was really helpful to me then. So then you put less energy into it. Yep. But it had, yeah. the, it had the effect that a coach would have. It had this very similar effect where people, we would mm-hmm. meet periodically and people would goof on you if you didn't do what you said you were going to do. And it was, it was very similar to that, but it was f- a free group experience. So if you, like you said, if you're looking at a, a small bank account, then that might be an approach to just team up with other people, a group of people. It's work to organize it and put it together and, and maintain it. But, uh, it was, I mean, it was transformative for everybody. Everybody in that room was transformed by it. So maybe, maybe we just identified another category. I mean, what you're talking about is a peer group. Well, yes. And you kind of have, yeah, I guess I was it, wondering it if kind of overlaps. Yeah. Yeah. It, it overlaps into some of these other others, but it's, uh, what I like about the way you described it is that it's very intentional it's not just about watching somebody and learning from them. It's about, you know, digging in and sharing what you know, and then learning back from, from the rest. Mm -hmm. I mean, just the outside perspective from someone who's, so it's almost like cheerleader where the cheerleader has that outside perspective. And like, that is super valuable, but these were people who were trying to build a similar kind of business. So it was, it was like cheerleaders, but it was kind of halfway in between where, where you got that benefit of the outside perspective from people whose opinion you respected because they're either a little bit farther down the road, but they're all trying to do the same thing. We all understand the same thing, same value proposition, same like same similar objective, similar, some different strategies. Uh, so then the tactics would sort of be like, oh, this worked for me, what worked for you? And we would share numbers and we got really personal. With, like, we, like we shared stuff in there that I would not normally share with anybody. Um, and it was super helpful. Yeah. 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 So, so maybe it's a different category. I feel like it's a, I've, to me, it falls into the coach area. It falls into the goad area where you've got people who understand what you're trying to accomplish. They're intimately familiar with your business and they're pushing you out of your comfort zone to get you unstuck and accelerate your process. So whether it's a paid, I mean, it probably would have been faster if I just hired someone, but, uh, that wasn't, it wasn't on my radar at the time. Well, there are organizations that create that for a fee, you know, where you have a a group and you have a facilitator. And I've spoken to some of those groups. I mean, it's another thing to look at. I mean, we're not done with our list yet, but I think it all boils down to what you feel you need to push you or to keep the momentum going if you've already got it, got it started and you just want to keep feeding the fire. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, it, related to this, because you said sometimes like a time for this would be if you're pivoting. I just heard a podcast that it, Donald Miller recorded with, I can't remember who the guest was. I'm sorry about that. But but the, the topic was, they were talking about his own business and how he was, oh, it was Pat Flynn. He was talking to Pat Flynn. And they were talking about how the story brand business was switching from startup mode to growth mode. And that it's one of those classic things like what you've done, what you did to get you here is not going to get you to the next level. And there, and he was being really transparent about the difficulties there and how he needed lots of guidance and he had to do, he had to change a lot personally. It's very, it was, it was a good show. But the, the point is like when you're at a, when you're at an inflection point of some kind, it can be paralyzing and, you know, you just keep doing the same stuff over and over and you're like, I'm not, this is not creating gains like it used to. So doing more of it is not going to help, you know? Yeah. It's that feeling of being stuck. And I think the thing we underestimate is how fabulous it is to be unstuck. And sometimes you just got to hire yourself somebody to get you there. You may get there eventually anyway. um, But I've worked with some people that have taken two or three years of struggle before they finally decided, all right, I think I need an outside perspective. It's like, don't, don't wait that long. (laughs) Time is money. I mean, Uh you know, you can do, a lot of people can do this on their own, but it really, when you're really stuck, get some help. Yep. Cool. Okay. So uh, the next one on your list was a few sages. What's that? (laughs) Well, the way I was thinking about this is I think these are all the people that you learn from. Podcasts I listen to or blogs that I read, um, books, of course, the people that we've had as guests on the show. There isn't a one I haven't learned something really profound from. I mean, each one was, you know, a little bit different twist, but I'm, I'm still talking. We still are talking both on and off the air about about the the things that came out of those episodes. So it's it's finding that that list of people that you, even if the only way you interact is because you're reading or watching or listening to something they do, there are people that you really view as sages. They've, they've paved the way for you in some, in some fashion. Yep. Yeah. There's so much stuff out there. Like if you're thinking about growing up, growing an authority business, there's just an endless array of books that you could read or podcasts that you could listen to or blog posts, or on and on and on and on. There's certain information that's kind of timeless. Um, Perhaps it needs to be updated a little bit to kind of modern era. But for me, it's mostly about finding personalities who communicate in a way that, that doesn't bounce off my head. Like, it lets my defenses down, lets me bring my defenses down to like, let this sort of classic information sink in in a way that I understand. So... Ooh, that's, yeah. that's really good. It's yeah, because the list for you might look different than the list for me and for, you know, Joe down the aisle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. It's right. somehow we have to be able to take in what they're saying. And I'm sure we both have this experience where you listen to somebody and you go, Oh, please never again. Yeah, I mean, never like again. compare, like, when you get right down to the content, the, the core content, there's not that much difference between Gary Vee and Seth Godin. But there's a huge difference between them. Yeah, I you know? can listen to Gary Vee. Yeah, so it's like they're talking to different audiences and they're coming at it from a different way, but they're both they're both how-to 
make a dent in the universe. Like that's what they're about. They're both about the same thing, you know, or Donald Miller or Dark Seavers or, um, I mean, the list goes on and on, but I can't, like certain ones, I just can't, you know, they're too salesy, they're too smarmy, they're too soft. I'm not a fan of soft. Well, the, the point is, these are not these are not necessarily people who are going to be right for everybody, and they're not, and they're probably not people who you're going to be talking to. Um, it's certainly not on a regular basis. So these are these are the kind of like guiding lights, I guess you could call them. Yeah, that... you're, you're letting them into your headspace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And, you know, when I do strategy projects, this is one of the questions I always ask people is, you know, who do you watch and listen to? Who do you really admire in terms mm-hmm. of the content that you absorb? Because that tells me a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And I can actually, I can think back and I've gone through phases where, you know, like, I was I read everything Ellen Weiss wrote for a while. And he's got a, a particular kind of personality that some people like, some people don't like. I kind of moved over to Michael Port. Uh, he's got a more of a hippie kind of a feel to him, like more of a huggy type of guy, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, Ellen's not a huggy guy. <laughs> no, Ellen's not a huggy type of guy. And then Seth Godin. So I've like I've been on a huge Seth Godin kick and I'm like really getting into Don Miller lately. You know, Derek Seavers is a genius. I don't know why I don't read his blog more. He is amazing. Um, he, but he's like so far out there. It's almost like he's like from another planet. Um, but anyway, and that list that I just gave you would be completely different for someone else. Like Jill Conrad's another one I, I think is amazing just for her, her particular delivery of, you know, it's selling. It's like, it's like, classic information but she's got a, her own spin on it, her own personality and for whatever reason her delivery i'm able to absorb oh she's it, my it, favorite sales person to read or watch mm-hmm. or listen to yeah mm-hmm. yeah 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 i respect gary v he's not my style um you know not to i'm not to bash anybody but just to point out that other people might be super into gary v or um oh we have listeners that are I know we do. I know there are people listening that love him. And, you know, and he's got a lot of good stuff to say. Yeah, he's got great stuff to say, no it, doubt. It just isn't right for everybody. And there's probably people listening who go, oh, stuff going, really? So <laughs> that's the beauty of it, is that you define who you want to listen to and who you let into your headspace. That's really what this is about, is finding that, that group of people that can help you. Like once I find that thing, or I should say person, because it, it tends to be a person, I go like crazy deep. Like I go like I don't I, to the exclusion of reading anything else. I'm gonna like devour the content because there's usually like all all the people we're listing have just massive like in, in almost infinite amount of content, like more than you could even ever consume. Now here's here's the reason why I think that's important because and I've heard this from people who have coached or people who who listen to the podcasts a lot where they get to a point where they're like, I don't even need to talk to you because I already know what you're going to (laughs) say. And they can almost give themselves their advice, like just by imagining like what I would say, you know, they're like, I already know what you're going to say. I can hear it in my head. So I'll just do it. And I feel like that with like all the people that I've listed, especially Weiss and Godin, I feel like I could almost do an impression of them. Like if somebody said, Oh, what would, what would, you know, Alan say in a situation like this? I'm like, hey, well, he'd go like this. <laughs> you know. <laughs> the point is like for, for folks who are at that kind of advanced level where maybe they're not, they're, I mean, I don't think anybody we've listed does coaching. 
it's it's not a thing that they do. You know, they're at this level where they're broadcasting information to like a massive amount of people. And if they do one-on-one coaching, I don't know about it. So folks like that, it's like there's so much content out there. If you if you really go deep on it and get get in their head, then they'll be in your head. And you'll be able to just kind of like, oh. Like I know exactly, I, I feel like, this is maybe an illusion, but I feel like in any given situation, somebody could say, what would Alan do in this situation? Or what would Seth say about this situation? And I'd be like, oh, I could take a pretty good guess. And that's like invaluable. That's amazing. But I, so the question in my mind is like, I think you have to go deep on their kind of body of work in order to get there. I've cer- certainly, that's how I've done it. I've gone super deep on the body of work and just like, wow. Yeah, I, I don't know if you have to do it, but I kind of do the same thing you do. If I discover somebody, maybe I've, it's, you know, I've, I come across them in social media or I, I find their book. If they pull me in, I, I'm there. I want to, I want to hear them. I want to read them. And part of it, I think, is the really good ones have a very distinct point of view. They may not have it simply written, or maybe it's in a sentence, but it's the sentence isn't enough, of course. It's really understanding the why behind what they believe. And then you interpret and decide how it's right for you. Some of the biggest insights I've gotten, especially from Seth, because he's such a Confucius like type of delivery, like he's like he's giving you riddles to figure out. And it, it can, you know, you can know the words and know the words and know the words and like almost like lip sync along with it. But then one day you'll hear like a podcast interview where he's like, where he says it slightly different or he adds a little bit of nuance or color or an example. And all of a sudden, like six months of not quite of thinking, you know, something all of a sudden turns into understanding in this flash of insight. And you're like, ah, like permission marketing. Like I, (laughs) there's like one point, I don't even know if it was in the book or an interview I read where, you know, the, the, it's the antithesis of permission marketing is interruption marketing, where you're just constantly placing ads like buy my stuff, buy my stuff, buy my stuff. And so there's like a, there's a catch 22 there, which is, which is what do you advertise if you're going to advertise or, or is advertising like a thing you shouldn't be doing? And, you know, you have to interrupt people at some point, like you can't not interrupt them. And, and, it was always a big question on my mind. And then like one, one line somewhere, I think it was in an interview, not even in the book was like, you interrupt people with your free thing. And it was like, Oh, okay. And just like, like six months of reading, like clicked, you know, there's same thing with, um, whatever I could go down the list where I've got experiences that I remember specifically where, either Weiss or Donald Miller or Seth Godin or Michael Port uh, or even Derek Sievers. I can even think of some Gary Vee ones where they said one thing and all of a sudden this sort of platitude, like go make a ruckus, like this platitude that they always say all of a sudden switched from like knowledge to understanding. And it was like, oh man, that lands like a ton of bricks. But to me, it's like you really need to it wouldn't have happened for me if I didn't get obsessed with like pretty much not one person at a time. It's not like I think about it like that, but I just get obsessed with like, oh, I want, now I want to read The Dip and now I want to read whatever, Icarus Deception or, you know, well, I also brand. think it's, it's a little bit like binge TV. We now have the opportunity to really go deeper on something, right? And that's what it feels like. It feels like, you know, I'm binging on content 
And I love it because it, it like surrounds you in a way that you don't do if you just do one thing, if you read one blog post or you listen to one podcast episode, but you listen to three or four and sometimes that's enough. <laughs> Your appetite is, is sated and other times it just, it feeds the hunger. You want more. I chose the word sage very intentionally. It's these are people who you really look to for some wisdom. It will be wisdom in their space, but it may also be wisdom beyond that. There may be something about how you watch them. Like maybe you watch somebody and you feel very confident in going out there and, and talking about your message. It makes you feel something that is positive, something that is is pushing you by watching them. Yeah. It's a mind meld. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very inexpensive one, too. I mean, yeah. podcasts and books are about the cheapest things you can... I mean, the, the bang for the buck is ridiculous. It really is. And I, I just keep thinking, I mean, I, I, I come back to Joe Pine a lot because that his transformation, I sort of say the transformation economy, the experience economy book. And I, I'd not read it before we, we decided to have him on the show. And he just blew me away. And I, I'm following him so closely on social media now because I love hearing what he has to say. I mean, I like the little tidbits and I like mm. the deep stuff. I want it all. <laughs> well, I've got good news for you. I'm interviewing him today on Ditching Hourly later on. I love it. Well, I'm going to yeah. be listening to that episode. Yes. We're going to talk about pricing experiences. Ooh. Yeah. Cool. Okay. So sages, sages, sages. We, like, obviously, we're both excited about that topic. <laughs> um, yeah, we probably beat that one. The next one is called Your Brand Neighborhood. What's that all about? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's it's the people and companies. It doesn't just have to be people that that you admire and they inspire you to do your best work. And so you could argue there's some crossover with sages and brand neighborhood, but I think of things like if somebody says, oh, I, I love Apple. And I say, well, all right, so why do you love Apple? And they start to tell me, well, I feel like they're innovative, maybe not as much now, but, or I love, I love their design. I mean, I hear that a lot. I love the design. I love all the white and black and, and their copy is beautiful. And I feel good when I see an Apple ad. So it could be, it could be a company. So you might say, you know what? I, I want to be like Apple in the sense that I want to use few words with high impact and really simple visuals that are clean and elegant. I mean, that would be an example. It could be a politician that you like to watch. It could be uh, your your grandmother uh, that you channel. It could be a character in a book that you that you channel. You know, like in a novel or something. It's yeah. It's it's this idea of who would you like to have live on your street if such a thing were possible. So, like, do you want to walk out and see? I'm trying to think of a basketball star, right? Or like Jonathan, you might want to see like some hot guy in karate, right? And because you're like, <laughs> oh, he's 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 a, or he's the sensei, and I want to be able to go have coffee with him. That's kind of how I think about it. It's a, another way to think about it that some people do is sort of your ideal uh, virtual board of directors. Like if you had a board of anybody you wanted, you know, living or dead, who would be on it? You're fictional. Yes. <laughs> yes. Funny. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Okay. That's not where I, that's, that's not how I, 
not what I was expecting here. I was going so, woo-woo with you, I know. So let's let's dig down and talk about it really practically, though. Yeah. So who's so let's do it to me. All right. So, Jonathan, who, who do you think should be in your brand neighborhood? Who do you admire and who would you like to, to channel in some aspect? It doesn't have to be all parts of them, but some aspect of them. Okay. So let's go a little more specific because that's not triggering anything for me. All right. So when you think about when you write copy, when you write your emails, mm-hmm. uh, who would you channel? Oh, great. Okay. Um, I actually have an answer for this. Uh, Douglas Adams. <laughs> and can you explain author who of, he is? Yeah. Oh, uh, author, Sorry? Of Hitchhiker's, <laughs> author of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So it's sort of sci-fi, ah. sci-fi, but also social parody. I would also say Kurt Vonnegut. I would also say... I've never read Hemingway, but a lot of people tell me I write like that, which sounded super cocky the way I just said that. But but the, <laughs> the point <laughs> the point is that I write with very short, punchy, repetitive staccato. I have a staccato style. So Dave Barry was a huge, a huge influence on me. So yeah, Dave Barry, Douglas Adams, Kurt Vonnegut, and maybe you were expecting me to say marketers or the Abraham or something, but no, I had no expectations, Jonathan. I just wanted to hear what you had to say. (laughs) Such a good brand coach. (laughs) One of the interesting things to take away from that was I needed you to get more specific for me to even get into a zone of being able to answer that question because it was like, so yes, would I like to live on a street with Kurt Vonnegut and Douglas Adams? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, and then when you think about like when you're teaching your, your group coaching, class who would be your the people you would channel for that um definitely seth godin the way that he manages groups i think is genius i gotta say kai davis who i think is amazing community manager just so good at that like i know it's not my strong you know i'm more of the drill sergeant type which doesn't always translate to a group and it doesn't always translate in a virtual medium you know like it's it, it can be even harsher you know there's no humanity to it like that would exist in person. Yeah. Those are the two that come to mind immediately. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they came really fast. Yeah. Right. So, so chances are even on a subconscious level, you think about that. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So if you, if you've taken a course by Seth and you'd say, and then you deliver a course, you go, huh? Okay. What, what I like the course, what could I learn from that that I could apply here? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're, I've literally done exactly that. Yeah, but the point is, you're not becoming Seth, you're Jonathan. And that's that's kind of the point with this, is that there are people that we can admire, and we go, oh, yeah, I want to be like, you know, I want to be like Mike. But it doesn't mean that you have to copy what they do. It means that you kind of internalize what you like about them and and have it come out in your style and your fashion. Yeah, it's like being a musician or an artist. You like, you know, best artists steal. It's like, you, yeah. but you're not, you're not copying them. That's not a cover band. You know, you don't want to make a cover. I mean, maybe you want to make a cover band, but that's not the point. You get inspired by someone and you take the stuff that clicks with you and you're like, oh yeah. Or, and you, you put a spin on it mm-hmm. where, you know, I, I often make the joke, like, it's like, yes, great artists steal. And like, you should copy air quotes, the greats, but don't copy the wrong things. Like if you're going to copy Seth Godin, it's not about the suit and the glasses and the shaved head. Like don't right. copy that. That's right. That's an impersonation. That's not what you want to do. You want to take the pieces that click. Like the, obviously the person clicks with you for some reason. That's why you picked them. 
or that's why they inspire you in the first place. And then you're like, okay, what things about this would translate into my world? And the pendulum can swing back and forth a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, so you can yeah. say like, oh yeah, I, I absolutely loved the way, you know, Seth runs the Akimbo workshops. Love it. It's genius. I told him so. I asked him if I could do it. He said, yes. So, so I did it. And when I started out, I copied the structure of it, the kind of, kind of like the architecture of it. But, uh, you know, clearly it's all my own content, my own voice, my own tone, all of that stuff. You don't want to be a cover band. You don't want to impersonate somebody, but you just want to pick up the things that are going to be useful, honestly. I mean, I guess that's what it boils down to. I think that's why I watch American Idol, just despite the fact that, you know, my husband would scream if I didn't watch it with him. But it's one of the things I love is when you get a really good singer and they reinterpret something. And so, and, and mostly there's very few original songs on the show. It's all existing songs. And the better known the song, the more likely people will vote for you. So they go with, with the standards. And, but when you hear someone do something completely unexpected, I love that. And I kind of fall in love a little bit with whoever that is that's, that's singing. And that person hasn't always won. They typically do really well. And some of them have won. That's that thing. You make it your own. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And that's, I just want to make sure that, you know, anybody listening isn't thinking that we're saying, oh yeah, I'll go out and just copy, copy somebody Apple's else. Website. No, but there is no original content anymore. We are who we are. We deliver you know, our brand of expertise, we deliver it in a way that works for us. Some people do podcasts, some people write, some people do video, but you do it in a way that works for you. But why not be inspired by people who are doing it really, really well? There are things to learn from Gary Vee. There are things to learn from Alan Weiss. There are things to learn whether, you know, you highly admire someone or whether they're not as, as so admired. It just consciously, I think that's my point, is consciously pick some people to, to watch and to channel a little bit. I love that sort of exercise of going down, like, for, so in a specific thing, who inspires you there? Who do you think does a great job? Like, at, at almost like at a tactical level or a hyper-specific level. That's very, very interesting. And what's kind of interesting is sometimes you'll you'll have one person in multiple categories. And I just think that's really impressive on, on the part of the of the person that you're watching. I mean, to be able to be that inspiring in multiple categories is pretty amazing. You, yeah, you just triggered something for me too, which is that that it the, the flip side is also true. And I think it's important to recognize the flip side, which is the the ways in which you are definitely different. So like on purpose, if you follow. So, so if somebody said, well, what's the difference between you and Gary Vee? Why don't I just go hire Gary Vee? And he's like, well, I mean, he's like X, Y, and Z. And um, it's like being super familiar with um, those folks doesn't mean you have to adopt everything. And I think it's, and I would take it even a step farther and be like, the things that are different, like those are cool. Like the thing that you're doing different when you cover Rocket Man or whatever, like that's what makes it cool. The thing that's different, because we don't need another we don't need another version of like Rocket Man or Yesterday. But if you're going to bring something to it and make make it new in some way, that's that's where your personality and your authenticity comes through. So being conscious of the of the places where you've decided, no, I'm not going to do you know like um, Gary Vee does it like this. 
And there's some cool things there, but I am definitely not going to do, I'm going to do one and two, but I'm definitely not going to do three and four on purpose. And that's just going to be, that's just going to be, we're going to agree to disagree if we ever meet. (laughs) We're just going to agree to disagree that, that three and four are the right way to do things. Well, that's also a person who has confidence, right? Because to me, someone who doesn't have confidence is, is going to be the, the slavish copy, right? Oh, I have to have Seth Godin's exact glasses. I have to have the tie. I have to have this color. You know, I have to do that. That's not what makes Seth Godin Seth Godin. Those are the trappings. You have to be really confident in yourself to, to push yourself out there. And one of the things I've found when people are first starting to find their voice as a solo, especially if you've been inside an organization and you've been tamped down, right? Like anytime you try to show originality, they try to stamp it out of you. So, so going solo in particular in those first two or three years, it's not copying big corporations. It's being you and channeling the things and the people that are interesting to you, but always staying true to yourself. Wow. (laughs) We we landed on a stay true to yourself. (laughs) We should do motivational posters. (laughs) <laughs> I know okay. it sounds so trite as I'm saying it, but I have to tell you this. I, I have this with clients all the time, including I strategy know, know. clients. It's hard for people to really appreciate what's best about you. And I think it's because it comes so naturally. You know, I wrote a whole thing about this, about what comes naturally to you may be your greatest differentiator. It's be, it, and we tend not to value that thing because it's just so natural. Yeah, it's funny. I, I have a riff on that, that where I say charge for the easy stuff, because if you're not going to charge for the easy stuff, then what are you going to end up doing the rest of your life? The hard stuff. <laughs> charge more for the easy stuff. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. So that that was the list. Yeah. The list. Fabulous. We so, started with the list and we went to motivational speaking. Yeah, we're going to have posters <laughs> available in the TBOA store. <laughs> On tboamerch.com. Just kidding. Okay, so uh, cool. I think we can probably leave it at that. I, I feel like if we didn't inspire, if, if you didn't get inspired from this episode, uh, you might want to check your pulse because <laughs> now hopefully, hopefully people found this useful. And yeah, I guess that's it for this week. Indeed. Did we miss anything? No, we're good. Okay. No, we're good. All right. Well, we hope you join us again next time on the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark, and I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.